125 divided by werewolves. I don't. It just seems like like if we were in, if we were a TV show, we'd be getting that syndicate money right now. That syndication money. Yep. yep. <laughs> oh, damn. 125. I don't know. My brain is weird. Like it always thinks in like, oh, okay, you know, like 125. That's a like a that's a f- whatever a factor of 20. You know, 250. And then I'm just thinking long term. Like we're gonna be riding this motherfucker out. I can't wait for our thousandth show. Yeah, I know. Maybe then Man, we can I- get Josh Rubin to accept our calls. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I listened to. Uh, I listened to a, a podcast he was on about Werewolves Within, and he was talking about, man, when we did Scare Me, I did everything. Anybody who asked, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do your podcast. And now he's like, now nah, I'm in a place where I don't, I kind of don't have to do that. It's You're like, God me. damn it. <laughs> we had our <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. We had our moment, and the moment passed. Yep. So, real quick before we, we get into everything, because... Um, Man, we got we got um we got a movie tonight to talk about that if you had told me if you had told me at the end of this movie I would have had like tears in my eyes, I would have told I'd get the fuck out of here. But here we are. Two thousand twenty one continues to be a weird motherfucker. So just to give you an insight into the world of Shay Kakowski Chanel, I have three dogs. I have two very tiny dogs and I have a large dog. The littlest dog this week had Wait for it. Thirty-three. That's three-three teeth removed from her mouth. Yeah, I, I read that. And my immediate thought was, I didn't even know dogs had that many teeth. Forty-two <laughs> adult dogs have forty-two teeth. That was my thought too. So basically, so young Schmelinor, we call her uh, Schmelinor because her breath stinks. Um, in fact, her full name is uh, Schmelinor Stankelberger. Um, <laughs> that's one of her names. Her other name is Eleanor J. Rigglesby, even though her f- actual given name is Ellie. But anyway, that doesn't matter. It's either neither here nor there. She wasn't eating her food. So uh, took her to the vet. Vet was like, oh, yeah, she's got a couple of loose teeth. We'll, we'll need to get those taken out. Now, here's the thing about small dogs is that it's hard to clean small dogs' teeth. Here's another thing about Chihuahua breeds. Their teeth are so close together a lot of times that, you know, if, if one tooth has a problem, the surrounding teeth will have problems. And this dog will not allow us to brush her teeth. She will squirm to the point where she might actually, like, hurt herself. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't chew bones, even though we had to stop giving Nyla bones to our other dogs because we spent excuse me, $1,700 between two dogs because they had cracked their fucking teeth on these goddamn Nyla bones. So anyway, fast forward to Thursday, bring the dog in. They're like, cool, uh, we gave you an estimate, and the estimate also includes for a bulk extraction. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, over a certain point, it gets cheaper just to extract a bunch of teeth. So we called the bulk extraction. I was like, I'm not going to need that. So they call me, and they say, Eleanor is doing great. She's under the anesthesia. The vet is cleaning her teeth, and it's going to be more than the two teeth that were loose. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, do what you got to do. And then they call me a half an hour later, and I'm like, oh, shit, the dog died. Okay, keep in mind, (laughs) this dog, if my other two dogs died today, I... the 
the only thing that would be on my mind is how do I get rid of two dead dogs? But when Eleanor dies, like it, I can't even begin to consider what that's going to be like. Mm. So I thought, oh shit, something happened. <laughs> and she goes, it was more than two. And I was like, okay. And she's like, it's 33 teeth. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, does she have any teeth left? And she's like, yeah, she's got like eight or nine bottom teeth. And I was like, okay. Oof. So what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? Right? Like, so uh, she's though, and she's in heaven because she's gets soft food and she's happy as can be. So anyway, <laughs> so at night, I have to take her and the other small dog out at seven because Eleanor, it, whatever, I'm not going to get into the toiling habit, toileting habits of the dog, but let's just say that there's like a, there's a pattern and there's dogs. Going on. So I'm outside and I hear what sounds like three 18 wheelers firing up their engines at the same time all around me. And I'm looking around like, what the fuck is going on? And the little dog the dog with no teeth was literally mid shit <laughs> when this all kicked in. And the, and the funny thing about Chihuahua breeds is they have a vertical leap that LeBron James would be uh, jealous of, but it only happens when they're scared. This dog jumped four or five feet straight up in the air, trying to shit at the same time. <laughs> Probably spat out three or four of her existing teeth. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm just standing there looking around like, what is going on? Like, it's 7 o'clock on a Sunday night. There shouldn't be any construction. Well, as it turns out, the power went out long enough for the the neighbor next to me the neighbor across the street from me and the neighbor diagonally from me for their generators to turn on. Uh, Even though they'd only, and my wife comes out and she's like, the power is off! (laughs) Because she had to yell over the sound of the semi-trucks near me. (laughs) These people paid like 10 grand at least for whole home generators. And we don't need whole home generators. But the internet turned off, the the power turned off long enough to fuck up my internet. Mm. Uh, Which means we got a later start tonight. But (laughs) the only reason I'm telling this story is because last night, slightly after midnight, the power turned off long enough to fuck up my internet. So I started my morning fixing the internet and i ended my evening fixing the internet and the only reason why it's not just plug it in let it go is because i have to do shenanigans and sorcery to allow my plex server to be available to folks outside of the home so they can see things and unfortunately i had not ordered surge protectors or not surge protectors ups's because i'm cheap to keep everything running but Mm -hmm. what this means is a the two new ups's will arrive tomorrow and b if you are within this listening radius and you normally have access to my Plex server, you will not have access until at some point later tomorrow. 
because I don't know what it is. I, I do like a, a DMZ and I share the the DHCP and all that shit, but that power goes out and my motor, modem router combo given to me by Frontier is like, fuck that, and I have to reset the whole goddamn thing. Oh, well, we appreciate it <laughs> very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. I brought my daughter to the dentist and I'm fucking watching uh, season one of Evo on my phone in the waiting room. I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so if, if you are part of the Kakowski Chanel server hive, and if you ain't, holla at your boy. We might be able to set something up. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to wait until tomorrow when all the, the – the, 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 but, but it's – and that's the thing. It's like the power goes off long enough just to be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want it going off longer than that because it's hot as fuck. But right. it's just long enough to wear everything. Because the problem is, like, so we have the, the, the Fios or whatever, and the, the, where the cable comes into the garage, those things get, like, super flaky when the power goes out. Like, if you just kind of, like, unplug it and then give it a minute and then come back on. But, like, anytime the power goes, like, out for a minute and then comes back on, it gets, like, kind of wonky. So I have to get – so I ordered a UPS for there. And then I have a slimline UPS upstairs because every time the power would go off, my NAS and my PS5 would be like, you shouldn't turn the power off. And I'm like, it ain't my fault, motherfuckers. I know. <laughs> like the PS4, I swear to God, I've gotten lectured more times from the PS4 uh, yep. when the power would go out than I did the entire time I was living at home and in high school. Like my mom didn't lecture me nearly as much as the PS4 lectured me about my life choices. Exactly. And God... God forbid you have an external hard drive plugged in. Oh my it. God! Right, so so I have a slimline one that the NAS and the PS5 are, are uh, attached to. That's going to go in the cabinet with the modem, and then I ordered two more: one to be for the unit in the garage, and one to be for upstairs because they're good for like ten minutes, um, and and the, the power only goes out for like two or three. Like I said, it's just enough to fuck things up. <laughs> yeah. So, first word problems. My diamond shoes are too tight. If I could, <laughs> if I could uh, quote uh, Chandler Bing. Okay, so we are. I have. Uh, I've seen two movies in the movie theater. Mm. Uh, last week, last show, obviously, I talked about F nine. Right. Uh, this week, well, Black Widow, which we'll talk about as we as we move uh, further along. And I got to tell you, I'm. I honestly am torn. Uh, because I love the convenience of being able to just watch a movie at home. Yep. But there's something about the theater experience, warts and all, that um, I missed. Like, it's funny, though. I don't know if you do this, (laughs) but when I get into a theater, I start looking at people, and I'm like, you're going to be a problem. Oh, yeah, for sure. You have, like, 17 bags of snacks. Yep. For a ninety-minute runtime, yeah, you've yep. got three kids. You've got a baby. Get that right. fucking baby out of this goddamn theater. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, I, I did that the last time. I really did it. I remember I went by myself, mm. and I'm more more like prone to like look because I'm like, okay, it's just me, and it was hereditary, and oh, I was like, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't want any fuckery here. Like I've been looking oh, forward to this so no. long. Yeah. And uh, the first thing that happened was this 
this couple planted directly behind me and just started like shotgunning popcorn fist over fist. And I was what like, is it about movie theaters where people who normally like if you were to say if somebody went if just were they were sitting at home and you were like, Hey, here's two gallons of popcorn, I'd like you to eat it in seven and a half minutes, they'd be like, You're out of your goddamn mind. But they sit down in a movie theater and it's like they've never eaten. Right. Like they had they like they just they they're they're fucking Tom Hanks in that movie with the volleyball where the first food he comes across is fucking popcorn. Why? Why? I don't know. I don't know. Then, so I got up and immediately moved, and that was a mistake because I ended up sitting behind the people that wouldn't be quiet that I had to turn around and scream shut the fuck up at. So yeah. Well, here in Florida, I'm always afraid to do that, and then fucking shots will pop off. Like I don't want to. <laughs> look, I ain't gonna. Like I like Black Widow, but I ain't fucking taking a bullet for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. Auburn, Auburn, Alabama. I wasn't too scared. I mean, I, the worst thing that was going to happen was a redneck was going to beat the shit out of me. But thankfully, yeah. that didn't happen there. So. Um, but but it it is it is nice to be back in the theaters. Like so. Where I live, there is um, the closest movie theater to me is. Um, part of the uh, Sarasota Film uh, Society. So there's mm. there's two theaters. There's one in Sarasota and there's one in Lakewood Ranch. And so they have a, a membership where if you're not a member, every ticket's $10 all the time. There's no, there's no matinees. There's no, doesn't matter, $10 all the time. But you mm. can spend $30 and get a um, film... Uh, society membership and then movie tickets are six bucks so what i figured out is that in a calendar year uh if you go to eight movies the difference will pay for itself but i was looking at like what's coming and i'm like well shit that m night shamalama ding dong that movie mm -hmm. old i'd probably mm -hmm. go see that and then i'm looking at like green knight like i fucking can't wait for the green knight dev patel and a fucking arthurian myth are you fucking kidding me yeah. hell yeah i'll see that shit in the theater <laughs> so long story short i might be buying myself a membership to the sarasota film society because i'll probably it'll probably end up uh paying for itself you get once a year you get free free movie tickets you can get like free popcorn i'm not a popcorn fan but like if it's free yeah why the fuck not right Every once in a while, yeah, I like popcorn every now. Yeah. Not all the time, but yeah. The only the only way I like I like Harry and David popcorn, which is like take popcorn, cover it in caramel, peanuts, mm. and chocolate. <laughs> Basically what I like is candy with yeah. a little bit of popcorn in it. <laughs> They're like, No, that's a Kit Kat. No, 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 no. It's popcorn. It's pop <laughs> this this is a no that's a pecan that's a that's a pecan cluster. Nah, it's popcorn. <laughs> That's type two diabetes. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's enough. That's enough of that. Although I could go. I'm so like the movie experience. Like I hadn't realized like how much I missed it. Again, warts and all, until I went to see F9. And I always think of. Did you? Okay. This is. I'm gonna. This is me showing my age. And I'm assuming the answer for you is gonna be no. And that's fine. When <laughs> Frasier was on TV. <laughs> Did did you watch Frasier? No. Okay. That's fun. I was a huge Cheers fan. And then, so of course, when Frasier started, I watched Frasier. And there's mm -hmm. a scene where Frasier and his brother Niles come back home, and they're talking to their father. And they said, how was dinner? 
Like they had gone to a restaurant, and their father said, "How was dinner?" And they said it was it was a great dinner, except for one annoying flaw. And the father was like, "Just how you like it." And that's me. Like I love it with like everything going perfect is great, but when everything goes great, but there's one thing that annoys me, that's even better because then. <laughs> I can harp on the thing that annoys me. And that's the movie-going experience. Oh, how was F9? Oh, man, it was fucking great. You know, the theater was was great. It wasn't too many people. But there were these four kids, and they were fine. But they were kind of annoying. And I know that's a weird thing. But that's, like, for me, that's the movie-going experience, right? It's like you go, and it's warts and all. There might be people that are annoying. There might be people, But it's like it's the whole kind of communal experience good and bad and it just kind of like lends to your memories of that particular film yep yeah so, it's, you know it's the, i it's wish i had been with you and gene when you went to see the exorcist like i wish <laughs> i had been not oh. with you as friends but someone who later on would be like there were these two assholes yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> like I've talked about this before, but like Pat Oswalt does his whole bit about how his favorite movie is Jerry Maguire when he went to see it with his brother, because like the whole point with like at the very end when Jerry Maguire was like, "We live in a cynical world," his brother stood up and went, "Fuck you!" Like <laughs> <laughs> that's the shit you remember. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everybody right. in that theater remembers that movie exactly. for that Exactly. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we have three movies that we're going to talk about this week, and then uh, we're going to – Mitch is going to regale us with tales of, of him finishing up uh, Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village, however you call, call it. So the first movie is uh, Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, obviously, this is a direct sequel, and I mean, when I say direct, like it picks up yeah. pretty much almost immediately uh, from the end of *A Quiet Place*. Uh, John Krasinski directed it; has a very small role in it, reprising his role uh, from *A Quiet Place*. Um, most of the heavy lifting done by Emily Blunt and Cillian Murphy. Excuse me. Written by John Krasinski, Scott Beck, and Brian Woods. Um. I feel like this movie was it had some cool kind of jump scares. Mhm. It had some tense moments. Uh, ultimately though, I'm not really sure what the purpose of this movie is right. unless you're looking at a quiet place as being three films. Mm-hmm. And this is a middle film meant to act as a middle film, but also mm-hmm. not caring whether or not you've seen the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think I think it's it's one of those things sort of like like Halloween one and two where it, it they almost play together as one full movie. And I think maybe that it works a little better that way. Yeah. Um you know, this is uh, uh, more a uh, quiet place. If that's what you wanted, that's what it is. It's it's a little frustrating for me in in the fact that it acknowledges the rules that the original set up and mm-hmm. then almost immediately ignores those rules. <laughs> like okay, like, that, that, that's interesting because I had the thought of that. Like what and and 
let's not worry about spoiling things too much. Like where kind of where were you feeling like this movie ignored the rules of the well, first one? Well, like aside from from a couple of, of scenes, nobody was fucking quiet. Like, oh, yeah, uh, no, you're Cillian right. Murphy, Cillian Murphy was boots to the ground running all over the fucking place. Whereas in the first one, we're tiptoeing on sand. Exactly. Like, yeah. All that kind of stuff. It, it, and it the monsters are the same monsters and they're in the same universe. Literally, it's like the same day, yeah. you know, as into the first one. And and Emily Blunt and, and her, you know, her kid, you know, gets fucked up and he's screaming. And oh, and, yeah. With the bear trap. That was it, brutal. It was brutal, especially and, for a and, child. God, he did so well. He did really well, yeah. I would have been screaming just as loud. But um, but it was just, it was hilarious because that's a death sentence in the first movie. Whereas in this one, the monster was like, oh, oh, is that something over there? Oh, I don't know. Let me take my time. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, but in the first one, like that thing would have been on them immediately. And yeah, even right. the bear trap sound would have would have called it, you know? Yeah. like. But in this one, it's like, that's fine. He probably didn't hear that. And I'm just like, <sighs> It was just weird. Like, I know they have to up the stakes because of the sequel, and they, there's lots more of the monsters in this, and I appreciate that. But the first one, to me, was scarier in that literally any noise they made at all right. was instant death. And they just completely ignore that in this one. Yeah, and, and for me, I mean, I think the thing about this one is that the first one, I, the first one is a, is a very... I think I think it's a very well done self-contained film where mm-hmm. it establishes itself early on especially with the, the you know the death of their young child and you have an understanding of like what the rules of the movie are um and then there's plenty of tense moments there's plenty of like you know you're playing by those rules and then it ends with a okay we have a way to defend ourselves not mm-hmm. we have a way to take back the planet, we have a right. way to defend right. ourselves. And so yes. the second one, you know, I felt like, you know, it was, it, it didn't really, like, add anything in terms of, like, it's not like you found out what the deal is with the aliens. Okay, well, you see, like, a meteor. Okay, and right. then they land. All right, well, like, no one thought they were, like, they didn't, like, this wasn't, like, uh, fucking The Tomorrow War, which, by the way, is a shit film, where it was like, oh, they came from the ground, whatever, even though they landed, whatever. Like, it's like a meteor cable. Of course they're aliens, right? Right. Um, and then they kind of played with, well, you know, the humans are the real monsters, which we've seen. Uh-huh. But then I they... I so hard at that part. But they didn't even, they didn't, they, they dipped their toe... Right, it was into so that fast. pool. Yeah, you know, it was like Honestly, I was glad though. I really was because I was me like, me too. Oh, God, me too. But it was like <laughs> they they didn't dwell a lot on it. They just kind of like like that scene was almost. It was like okay, it was very circular. It was like they go to Sailor Murphy. He's like, the world isn't like what you thought it was. There's bad people out there, and then right. they go out and they find the bad people, and they are dispatched quickly. And then they move on. So it was yeah. almost like, I mean, it just, and then they were like, oh, hey, by the way, these aliens can't swim. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> all right. I'm going to, there's a lot I'm willing to accept. But when right. you start adding in things, it's like you have these aliens who do not seem to be particularly intelligent right. somehow manage to figure out 
space travel, mm-hmm. figure out a way to get themselves from their planet to this planet for reasons we don't know, but yet did not consider in all of their scouting that this yeah. planet <laughs> was 75% water. Right. And didn't go, hey guys, hold on, time yeah. out. I'm making the time. I'm right. I literally turned when I said that. I had I, I I had two two index fingers up, and I I spread my arms out, and I looked around to my couch that has no one, and I literally made the timeout symbol. I'm making it right now. Timeout, guys. This planet, seventy five percent water. We can't swim. What are our plans? And one guy was like, "Fuck it, let's go." <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> So yeah. you you find out they can't swim, and you're like, okay. But then one manages to get on a boat? All right, whatever. Like, yeah. the minute I heard these aliens can't <laughs> swim, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, are well, the, you kidding the other me? Question that, the other question that begs is how the fuck they managed to almost wipe out humanity before anybody thought, hey, let's get in a boat and see if they can follow. Like, like is everyone on Hawaii just having the best time of their life? Like, they have no idea what is going yeah. on? You're like, wait, why is the internet down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, folks in Cuba, they're just they're just doing their thing. Or, like, yeah. the Bahamas, like, they're just like, hey, man, I don't, it's weird. We haven't gotten any mail from the United States in a while, but yeah, whatever. It's all cool. And then the one colony of people with a radio station who have discovered this and, and is the safe haven ha- yeah. has, they're using musical cues or weird hidden yeah, signals. Yeah, beyond so the sea. Like, like hey, why wouldn't you just say, hey, <laughs> they can't swim? This is where we now, are. Yeah. Now, it's like our radio station plays this one song. Let's see if anybody figures it out. <laughs> yeah. And who figures it out? Like a fucking 13 year old yeah. girl. Yeah. Because no one is as tuned in to fucking um, big band hits from the 40s. Right. 13 <laughs> year old girls. I try to. My daughter is 16. She's going to turn 17 in October. If I try to play her a song from 2005, she'll punch mm. me in the face. I know. <laughs> she wants nothing to do with it. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like I'm I feel like we're kind of shit on it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was actually pretty cool like for a monster movie, but it's just it it just was Ill, as illogical as it could possibly be. And I, I I didn't hate it either. I just I I look at the first one that yeah. I feel like as a self-contained thing was it was it was very well done very effective and left you you know, you left that theater and you're like oh they about to fuck some shit up yeah and then you watch this movie and you're like well i guess they <laughs> kind of did but yeah. then like where is this going right exactly and i mean and it's just an it, it it's an unfortunate um you know, result. I don't know what I don't know what the, the right way to say it is, but when when you have something that's successful, you yeah, know, yep, Hollywood can't fuck. And I mean, I don't blame John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Like, are you fucking kidding me? They fucking backed the money truck 
up to John Krasinski and they're like, make another one? And yeah. he's like, I get to make a movie with my wife? Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck yes. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> but right. in terms of like what this movie was doing and the story it was telling and like how it moves things forward, it feels like a middle film. Yeah. And I just, what is the third, what is the final film going to be? Are they just going to roam the country with a hearing aid and a fucking, right. you know, like, megaphone <laughs> shooting aliens in the face? Yeah. I don't know. God, you saying that now makes me think of John Wick. Because, <clears throat> you know, 2 is the only one I really liked. And I they, liked it because of the they setup. They should have stopped it right there. Absolutely. And oh my God. John yeah, Wick John Wick three. He's <laughs> like, I mean, Halle Berry. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I ain't going to take. Look, I'm not going to take exception to spending any amount of time seeing Halle Berry on the screen. Sure. But you're like wandering in the desert and getting prophecies yeah. from some fucking <sighs> dude, which doesn't even make sense. And then it's yeah. like half of that movie is a is a uh, someone sliding a coin across a countertop, like. <laughs> Like literally half of John Wick is a slow motion coin slide. And you yeah. compare that to John Wick two, John Wick two is perfect. It's yeah. perfect. Yep. But John Wick four is gonna be what? It's is it gonna be like him and you know, I I don't even know what it like sub I, I can't even how many pets is he gonna have? Is he gonna have a parakeet? <laughs> Uh, he's Ace Ventura. He's <laughs> so, like, you see A Quiet Place 2, and you're like, it, it's a continuation, but it's a continuation where it's unclear where you're going to go from there. But then yeah. if you think about the Hollywood money machine, you're thinking, oh, well, there's going to be a third one. For sure, yeah. Because, yeah, this one did well for, you know, quarantine sure. times. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's uh, Lawrence Fishburne? That's who's in John Wick. <clears throat> Well, shit, anyway. the cast floor is incredible, if nothing else. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I spend all of my time at this point in a John Wick movie. Like, the only thing I want to know going into it is, will the dog stay alive? Mm. Like, I remember when John Wick uh, Parabellum came out, and, and the first review I read, they were like, just so you know, the dog is alive. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all I need to know. Like anything that happens beyond that is fine. But okay, so uh, I mean, a Quiet Place Part Two. It's a fast movie. It's like ninety yeah. minutes, and it's like there's great performances. I just, I just don't know where they're going with it, and that yeah. is where it kind of like takes away my enjoyment mm -hmm. of it so but yeah when that kid does his foot fucked up i mean this this is a movie that does not is not afraid to fuck kids up and i respect no. that <laughs> yeah yeah i'll tell you like you know uh a lot of things i've seen a lot of shit man and and it's hard for something to shock me but but i will say uh the the kid in the first one, it, it yes. didn't shot from that either. That was tough, and then and then the bear trap in two. I was just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that that was nasty in all the good ways. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
So, the next movie we're going to talk about is a Marvel movie that was originally supposed to come out uh, in summer of last year. I don't even know from a MCU timeline, like, where we should be right now. Mm. All I know is that where we are. Um, And that is uh, Black Widow. So, Scarlett Johansson finally gets a chance to uh, not only star in a movie with uh, Natasha Romanoff uh, headlining, but also executive produces it, uh, directed by Kate Shortland, uh, whose movies I am completely unfamiliar with. However, I need to um, uh, kind of catch up on her filmography. Uh, Written by Eric Pearson, Jack Schaefer, and Ned Benson, starring Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, who is amazing, and uh, David Harbour, and then um, uh, Rachel Weiss, which I was the funny thing about this movie that I always think about is so when the pandemic first hit, so uh, cast your mind back to, and I, I'm apologies for this, uh, 2020 when Daniel Craig's La- No Time to Die, last James Bond movie, was supposed to come out in April of 2020. <laughs> And Black Widow was supposed to come out in summer of 2020. And yeah. shit kept getting uh, pushed out, pushed out, pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. And so Rachel Weiss, who was married to Daniel Craig, her movie came out first because <laughs> Black Widow came out this past weekend. No Time to Die doesn't come out until, I believe, October of uh, 2021. So, <laughs> so uh, Scarlett Johansson uh, gets to finally... Uh, the last of the OG Avengers. I guess if you count Hawkeye, uh, I mean, yeah. he's kind of like, I feel like he's Avengers adjacent. Like, I know he's part of them. <laughs> yeah. But he gets his own TV show, or, well, at least his daughter he's does. The, he's in the movie. I mean, he spent a good portion of the first movie as a villain <laughs> anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, Scarlett Johansson finally gets a chance to bring uh, the full experience of Black Widow to the uh, to the screen, and this this movie takes place between uh, Civil War and mm-hmm. uh, Infinity War, so it mm-hmm. kind of shows some shit that uh, she went through uh, uh, in between those movies, which would I guess allow us to better understand why she made the sacrifice she did in Endgame. So, well, why she had a vest and different hair also, which I was very curious about. Well, the hair, yeah, the vest, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. So here's the thing about this movie for me, is that I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wish it had been released in the time period relative to Marvel movies when Mm -hmm. it it took place. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of folks are not a fan of Captain Marvel. I love Captain Marvel. I feel like them releasing Captain Marvel and then building it up to be this huge thing in Endgame. And admittedly, she fucks up some ships. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that movie was released at the wrong time. And I feel uh, like this movie was made, not pandemic-related, was made and released at the absolutely wrong time. Yeah. Like, I could give a fuck 
about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It is one of my least favorite Marvel movies. I would mm. rather they didn't make that movie because things that happen in that movie do not really have an impact on anything else that happens uh, right. in the MCU. I would rather they fucking punted on that shit and did this movie so that you saw what she was doing in between these films so that mm. when it set up for her sacrifice in Endgame, it made more sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Although um, I didn't Guardians 2. I liked it better than the first one. <laughs> I, 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 that movie to me, that movie is a very mean movie. Yeah. Probably like, why I like it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of shit. Whether, I mean, I'm all for making fun of people. Like, don't get me wrong. But there's certain things in that movie where I'm just like, I don't know, that just seems kind of rude. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna pass up a chance to watch Kerr Russell on the screen. Are yeah. you fucking kidding me? Slate yeah. Pliskin in any capacity? Fuck right. out of here. Um, okay, but anyway, like Black Black Widow taken on its own. So this is a story of uh, what happens to Natasha um, after Civil War. She's kind of on the run. She finds out that the Red Room, which is a the program that was used to uh, kind of um, capture young women, um, subjugate them, and turn them into assassins. What she had thought, so so this all this talk we hear about Budapest and how she has read in a ledger, uh, you know. So so what we find out is that her mission with Hawkeye in Budapest is what allowed her to finally convince Shield that she was willing and able to defect to Shield. That whole mission was um, focused on uh, killing the architect of the Red Room. So she finds out, hey, spoiler alert, that the Red Room is actually still around. They're still uh, capturing young women, girls, uh, and and kind of using mind control to make them uh, these assassins. And so she gets reunited with Florence Pugh, who was in Midsummer, was amazing in Midsummer. Um, mm-hmm. So who plays Yelena? So if you remember, like the the Marvel comics, like you know Natasha was a Black Widow, and then Yelena was like the kind of second Black Widow. So mm-hmm. um, basically, uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Florence Pugh, David Harbour. And um, Rachel Weiss were undercover in Ohio in the mid '90s as like a kind of quote unquote nuclear family trying to uh, obtain um, secrets. Uh, I don't exactly know what they were. Super soldier serum, maybe everything in the MCU is mm-hmm. super soldier serum related. I'm not right. sure. Um, and so they pretended to be a family unit but then their cover was blown they had to escape and they kind of got scattered to the winds so um natasha finds out that the red room is still around hooks up with yelena and then they go have a kind of impromptu family reunion and go about taking the whole thing down so what i liked about this movie is that one there was a lot of humor in it um and it wasn't the typical marvel movie in terms of there's this macguffin this key or this orb or this thing that they have to find the idea of the red room 
was kind of like a like a geopolitical tool or like a concept where mm. Ray Winstone, you know, used these young women that he kidnapped and used these black widows throughout the globe to basically do what he wanted to for the highest bidder, uh, cause mm. instability and whatnot. Um and you know, it's it's all about Natasha kind of like reuniting with her family, quote unquote family, and taking him down. I still don't I need to rewatch Endgame because I don't really understand her sacrifice mm-hmm. in the context of this movie. Yeah. Um, because I was like, well, she had now two families. She had the Avengers family, and she what? had Yelena and 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 Alexi uh, and Melina. Like, I'd be like, yeah, Clint Barton, you can get fucked. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you're not. It's okay. I'm not going to say that you're not a Marvel fan. I'm going to say that you. I think if we were to compare. MCU movies that we like, you would have mm-hmm. fewer on your list than I would have it's, on mine. Yeah. So I mean, so, you know, like I said, the, the running joke is that I hate all the Marvel movies. And, and that's I don't. not true. That's not <laughs> true. So how did you feel about this film? Um, I was super into it for about a half an hour, maybe mm-hmm. a little longer. I liked, uh, I liked the start. I love the idea of the Red Room and all this kind of thing. And like, uh, it certainly helped me after it was over. I went and watched a, a video that explained the end credit stuff and some, kind of some of the, the tie-in stuff. That, you know, because this is like, at this point, they're like Saw films for me. Like, shit happens, and I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't know why that was important. <laughs> right, so, yes. So I, I watched the video. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like, this, this thing tied in, whatever. I loved Florence Pugh. She stole the show for me. She was amazing. Uh, thought she was great. Uh, hated David Harbour's character, the Red Thought, hated that they made the Red Guardian the bumbling buffoon of this one. Uh, I was really, yeah, I thought that too. I'm like, here, I'm like, you have essentially the Russian version of Captain America. You give him, like, okay, so if you've not watched The Americans, it's a fucking fantastic show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I watched all the seasons on The Americans and it's a fantastic show. And so that, to me, informed, and I mean, obviously it's fiction, but it, it gave me, um, it kind of increased the stakes for them as a family because there's a lot of similarities there. Like in the Americans, like their kids don't know that they're Russian agents and the mm-hmm. older daughter finds out along the way. So like this idea that like you have this, what seemingly perfect you know, American nuclear family who are Russian agents and the two young kids, like one of them knows, but the other doesn't. So like, I kept kind of thinking about that. And I think that was like somewhat intentional, but then Mm -hmm. you've got, so you have the Russian version of Captain America. You're putting him undercover for years to do nothing. And then you throw him in jail. Why? Mm -hmm. And David Harbour is such a fun charismatic actor and he was super fun in this role but he never gets a chance to shine he gets his ass kicked yep i fuck it i i did not like that either yeah and you know and and i thought i I, like again super into it even taskmaster didn't bother me as much as i thought yeah although 
the reveal, I was like, come the fuck on. Because they, they fucking Deadpooled from Wolverine the fuck out of Taskmaster. Yeah, they totally did. Uh, yeah, but, uh, absolutely. I was, I was kind of okay with it because it wasn't really Taskmaster. I won't spoil it, but it, it, it yeah. it's not really Taskmaster. But for me, like any enjoyment I was having came to a screeching halt at like 30, 40 minutes after the, the helicopter sequence, the, the, the prison escape. And they spent way, this movie could have been 40 minutes shorter. Absolutely. And I think they liked it a lot better. Yeah. It just, it just dragged for so long between, between when they, the family got back together and then yeah. they go after, you know, the red room guy. And I was just like, get, get the fuck on with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel it. like I the, I need to know here. Let's go. Yeah. They, they were so, and I mean, I, I, I give, I give, um, you know, Kate Shortland a lot of credit because I think she, she recognized where the, the, the main draw of this movie is these four broken people who at one point pretended to be a family mm-hmm. and to different degrees bought into that where sure. they, like Florence Pugh was all in. She was six. Yeah. At the time, that was the only parents she had known, and mm-hmm. and even the rest of them. As much as like Natasha wanted to pretend it didn't exist, she still like part of the reason why she wanted to be an Avenger. I feel like they were kind of implying is that she wanted to return to that family, mm-hmm. and even the rest of them. So like even though like that notion of a family unit was a facade, it still meant enough to them to mm-hmm. where. After that point, they kept kind of trying to find things that would bring them back to it. But yet, at the same time, it dragged out way too long. Yep. Um, but, you know, that being said, like, like there, there's, there's a lot of things about this movie that I would like to look into more. Because, like, for example, okay, so after they rescue David Harbour from where he was. If you notice, like, Scarlett Johansson, her kind of white jumpsuit is, like, the curvy, mm-hmm. you know, kind of almost skin-tight. Florence Pugh's is almost more like like a pilot suit, like a, like yeah. almost like a parachute. It's like, a, it, like, like, there are so many, like, little, like, kind of, like, um, wardrobe choices and character choices and stuff that I feel like there's more there and I'd like to kind of understand like where mm-hmm. those come from and it feels a more layered than like just a regular Marvel movie where they're like okay you know here's how he became to be he, here's how he uh, this this person became to be a hero here's where the villain mm-hmm. is who wants to go against them and then they have a fight at the end and there's some quips and then it ends um, right. and so but I mean, I keep going back to I wish Marvel had just had the balls to realize that you could have made a movie about Black Widow that people would have wanted to go see. Yep. And you yep. could have put it at the at a better time yeah. and made what Nat did in Endgame feel so much more impactful. Yeah. And it's because yeah. you were just afraid or you were just like, I don't know what it was. Like, I think of I looked at the timeline and so many movies. I was like, even Spider-Man Homecoming, which I think is a fun movie. 
you gonna put that like I'm just like she was an Avenger and for years you were just like ah nobody's gonna go see it and here we get this movie and it's got action and spirit and heart and it's well written and it's funny and it it presents her in a light we would expect to see given what she was in this movie and you you released it so many years too late that we're all like wait I don't what even happened with her right, <laughs> right. Well, I, that's the thing. Like, I anybody who comes out of this slightly confused at some of the stuff, particularly post credits, just look up yeah. a YouTube video and have it. And it, it's it's actually super fucking interesting and super cool. And uh, Ross showing up again uh, sets up something that it never even occurred to me that they yeah. might be working towards, and that's a Thunderbolts movie. And yes, like holy shit, you've got Yelena, you've got Red Guardian who led the Thunderbolts for a yep. while there. You know, after yep. the fact, uh, you know, there's apparently some hints at Abomination. Yep. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God, they're going to make a Thunderbolts movie. Yeah, like, that's awesome. And that's the thing where it gets interesting to me. First of all, how amazing is it that William Hurt, who starred in an MCU movie that no one even considers as part right. of the MCU, because The Incredible Hulk is the bastard child of the mcu it's a great movie i fucking love it like tim roth is the fucking abomination are you kidding me like asking for more of the serum right he gets his he gets the shit kicked out of him and when you and Mm -hmm. i consider oh what would it mean for us to get the shit kicked out of us (laughs) it is not even a fraction of what that man's body goes through right when he goes up against the hulk and he asks for more like the incredible hulk to me and edward norton as the hulk are you fucking kidding me i know and most people are like that movie did not exist and william hurt is one of the stars of that movie and he has somehow managed to turn that role into multiple spots in mcu movies and we just accept it like no one like no one shits on the incredible hulk as it didn't happen right um but then yeah like this is where to me things get weird is because if you if you consider okay so let's pretend this movie came out when it was supposed to, which was summer of last year and before Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, was a TV show on Disney+. Plus. And so you've got an end credit scene and you've got Florence Pugh and you've got, <laughs> you know, fucking Elaine uh, from Seinfeld playing mm. the Countess uh, from S.H.I.E.L.D. And you're probably like... What the fuck? Like, what? Who is this? Sure <laughs> Why is Elaine uh, have purple hair? Yeah. Uh, and so I almost feel like that scene doesn't work nearly as well without folks having seen Falcon and Winter Soldier. But it would have come out before, way before. Yep. Because if that movie, right. if if this movie had come out originally, it was supposed to, it would have been summer of last year. Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't come out until spring of this year. Right. So you would have spent your time wondering why Julia Louis-Dreyfus was in a fucking (laughs) stinger in this movie. Right. And so it's like that, I feel like, made more sense with it coming out when it did. But then, you know... What does this mean? Like, okay, so fine. If they, if if Florence Pugh goes after Hawkeye, is that what sets up the Hawkeye show, which is all about Kate? 
or what like right. I, you know it's just it's it's weird that the moves that they're making but it's even weirder when you consider they're making the same moves pretending as if this whole pandemic thing just like nah didn't happen right <laughs> yeah yeah um but i i really i enjoyed it i felt like you know there was way more personal stakes and i think that's fine like yes the 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 red room was like a geopolitical threat but it mm-hmm. this was an entirely personal movie and man that when when ray winstone was like talking about his and there was a lot of exposition in this movie too much mm-hmm exposition like when it was like hey ray winstone how about for 20 minutes you tell us everything yeah (laughs) like oh god okay he's gonna keep talking and she wants him to punch her and then she's gonna show things that happened and you're like all right a little less exposition probably would have benefited this movie but like there was a line when he said you know the world's most like i don't know plentiful resource and he just showed all these girls on the screen and I was and I know that's like you know probably supposed to be like a stand in for like um almost like sex trafficking but yeah. I when you consider you know over the past year where we've seen you know so many women have to leave the workforce because you know with everything that happened with the pandemic if you consider like a like a typical kind of you know, household where kids might be doing e-learning full time. Well, that burden falls mostly on women. And I had two kids in e-learning and I, I did my best to make sure that it was even, but I mean, no doubt my wife took on more of that as much as I didn't want that to be the case. Mm. It just, it happened to be, that's what the case was. And when you considered how many women over the past year left the workforce, and it's probably because when you consider the pay disparity between men and women, if you're looking Mm. at, you know, a household that has two providers and one of them has to lose a job, unless the person with the lower income has like just a a way more uh, lucrative potential it's going to be the guy who's going to stay working because he's making more money because men, you know, women work, you know, they earn 75 cents on the dollar for men. So there's so many women over the past year who, who left the workforce because they have kids at home who might be, there's a woman who works at my company. She was like, she's our top lawyer. She was going to work from like fucking four in the afternoon until fucking midnight. To make sure that like we were covered legally as a company, mm-hmm. so when when he said that line about you know the most exploitable workforce, and he showed young girls, I'm thinking, oh my god, like that line to me had so much more of an impact over everything that we'd gone through the past year. Because when you consider, you know, how many how many how many women left the, how many women left the workforce when women you know if they have to leave because they get pregnant how you know, statistically speaking, how much farther behind they are in their career compared to the men of the same household. I was like, holy shit. Like this, this to me was more impactful than any, whatever, sphere or key or whatever MacGuffin that the, the Marvel, the MCU movies come up with that people have to fight over. Mm -hmm. And, And to me, it just made so much more of an impact. But I think, so it's like I'm torn because on one part, if it came out when it was supposed to, I don't know if it would have been that impactful as when it came out when it did, knowing 
how much income and 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 career progression and stuff that women had lost over the past you know sixteen months right so but like at the same time, I'm like Florence Pugh in anything, yep, yep, like after well, midsummer, I was like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. yes. But after this movie, fucking like the humor, like when she's making fun of all the poses, that was my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> and then she tried them. She's like, oh, yes. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I did, I did like that in this movie. They resisted the urge to give um, Natasha uh, romantic interests because there was yeah. like a lot of times when you can feel like. You know the guy that like got her all the planes and whatnot. That right. she was like she was kind of sweet on him, and they were going to make it a thing, and they didn't do that. And I thought that was great. Yep. Yeah, she's business, all business. Yeah, but also, I mean, she definitely, you know, they, there was like kind of some uh, charisma there. But you know, I think she kind of. It's almost like they recognized that, you know, she had, you know, a. Uh, a purpose in mind, which I guess yes would would be yeah. all business. I mean, yeah, she's a she's a spy or you know an Avenger yeah. now spy first, so yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I just I I just wish it had come out a few years earlier. Mm. Yeah, for sure, I, I agree with that. And like I said, I didn't hate it. Um, just wish it hadn't come to that grinding halt. Yeah, and I and I felt that too. Like, I mean, there was a point where I was like, "Yeah, this is fun," but wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't start that motherfucker till after eight, and I was like, "It's getting kind of late." There, I mean, I, I just, like, I, you know what? I just, I feel like every Marvel movie doesn't have to be over two hours. That, God, that, please, <laughs> right? Like, Jesus, this would have been such a. Now, again, I'm not saying take out the family stuff because I think that's absolutely important, but man. Mm-hmm. Hour and forty, just a tight, like well done. Hour forty five, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm, I like it a whole lot more in that case. Absolutely, but. yeah. And normally in these movies, I don't get to that point, but I, I definitely felt it for this one. So, okay, so uh, Black Widow, it's in theaters. You can also Disney Plus it. Okay, so this next movie is one hundred percent. I thank you for this because you had texted me a while ago and you were like, Hey, a bunch of people have on their list this movie called Ghost Waits. You know, we should we should do it for the show. And um so one of the things you have to think about for a lot of the movies that we watch is there's this idea of these like micro budget horror movies where mm-hmm. it's like extremely limited cast you know, one location, yep. and then they're trying to tell a story. So, like, Dementia 2, as, to me, was, like, one of these type of movies, even though yeah, um, that didn't get me as much as this one. So, A Ghost Waits is directed by um, Adam Stovall, written by McLeod Andrews, Adam Stovall, and Matt Taylor, starring uh, McLeod Andrews, McLeod, McLeod? McLeod, Andrews, it's uh, Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, <laughs> um, and uh, Natalie Walker. So this is a it's a black and white 
kind of one location movie where uh, McLeod Andrews plays a handyman uh, named Jack who um, gets a gig from this guy who's trying to run out of this house. And we, we'd seen up until this point that some folks had kind of left this house because it felt like the house was being haunted. And so he gets this house, and the guy's like, hey, I just need you to figure out, like, what needs to be fixed. But, like, all their stuff is still here. So he's like, you know, McLeod, or Jack kind of calls and is like, hey, like, I need to know, like, what is their stuff? What's staying? And the guy's like, just fucking do what you can. So he goes around the house, and he, like, you know, he writes down, like, this light switch works. This light switch doesn't work. You know, this water heater works. You know, this type of thing. But then... Uh, a ghost <laughs> shows up. Uh, you know, Natalie Walker playing Muriel shows up and starts trying to haunt this house. The problem is Jack is not having anything to do with it. Right? <laughs> He's just kind of like, like my favorite part of this movie, and I was trying to explain it to my wife, is like Jack is cleaning a toilet. And he starts <laughs> making the toilet have a conversation with him and mm-hmm. it's the same dumb shit that if you've ever been doing some menial task in your house whatever it doesn't matter what it is and you just come up with dumb shit and you're just like whatever you just like you're just trying to make the task better and yeah. it's just dumb shit and you're just like hey mr toilet do you want me to clean you and the toilet's like yes i do i'm dirty like i like mcleod andrews as jack like i felt like this is one of the best performances that i have seen this year because he essentially for a big part of this movie had no one to act against and Mm -hmm. had to position himself as this kind of like easygoing you know, kind of even-keeled dude who's given this test. It's kind of shitty, but he's just kind of, like, taking it in stride, and he's just kind of do his job. And I felt like he was fantastic. And then yeah. Muriel, the ghost, shows up, and he's just like, yeah, I'm not having any of it. And she's like, uh, wait, what? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. And then they actually build a relationship where he's asking her, like, why are you even here? Like, why do you even care? Why are you trying to get people out of this house? And she insists she's not a ghost. She's a spectral agent. But she also mm. works for what, essentially the Monsters, Inc. of ghosts. Right, where she's got a boss, and that boss is like, look, we called you to this house. You need to get him out the fucking house. And then what happens is you get two people who you have a ghost who doesn't really know why she's been called to this house, been essentially fed a line of bullshit as mm-hmm. to why she should be at this house. And you have a guy who's essentially like floated along in his life, just kind of doing whatever coming mm-hmm. together and then building a relationship together. And I fucking loved this movie. Yeah. I loved every minute of this movie. And when this movie ended, I was literally choked up as to yeah. how they ended up uh ending it together. Right. Yeah, same. I, I you know, it's it's one of those things where it kind of started and I was just like, "Oh, 
I don't know if Brandon's going to like this, <laughs> but it did like a few minutes into it though. When she, when she really got started getting to know Jack, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I safe. You know what I mean? Like, cause it was funny. Like for these type of movies, uh, depth of character isn't always a thing that you get. Right. And it, it typically takes really good writing and, yes. uh, again, an actor that can kind of take that writing and, and in some instances do his own thing with it. And it's all like that. But I felt like, you know, it being a one location thing and obviously micro budget, you know, just the little things like uh, him calling, trying to find somewhere to crash, yes. you know, you know, it added characters almost to the yes. to a movie. It was just somebody on the other end of a phone, but you, you kind of realize, Hey, this guy's got a life and maybe it's not exactly how he wants it. And he's obviously been through some shit and you get all of that just in like a couple of phone conversations while he's scrubbing the toilet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like to, to the, to the credit of everyone involved, like it just, it did not feel like a micro budget kind of throwaway. It had a story that it wanted to tell. It was really fucking good. So well done. So well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that the black and white was an interesting take, but then you look at them turning an actress into a ghost with basically yes. a little face makeup and some yes. really fucking cool lighting. Yeah. So that wouldn't have worked. Right. Not Absolutely. Yep. So that kind of, you know, grassroots you know homemade kind of filmmaking those little kind of tricks i always love those and this you know kind of had those in spades um and it's it's not a you know it's a i don't know it's not a it doesn't attempt to tell it's it's a simple story but at the same Mm -hmm. time it does world building which you don't always expect this kind of thing Right. So I, everything that it does, I was just more impressed the longer it went on. Yeah. It was funny. It was adorable. Yeah. Heartfelt. You know, yep. sad at times. Yep. It's just for an eighty for eighty minutes, it was a hell of a roller coaster for me. Yeah. I was just shit. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned the black and white thing because that was one of the things that I I you know so. So I usually watch these movies in the morning, and then when when Linda and I have lunch because we both work from home full time, I'll tell her about the movie that I watched, and I and that was one of the things I said. I said, you know, when we do when they you know kind of film these movies um, in black and white, they're you know y- you have a lot more options in terms of makeup and things like that, um, where you can kind of stretch that budget um, a lot further, and um but like and i one of the things i said to her is like this movie like at one point they bring in like a more modern ghost and i remember <laughs> there's like i forget who it is but there's like a comedian i saw this bit it was like why is every ghost like a victorian era ghost like why don't we right. get ever get a ghost from the 2000s where it's like she comes in like like singing britney's toxic like <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like and it was interesting at like one point they bring in another ghost and she's she's got kind of like the cut off shorts and the tank top and like the short sleeve mm-hmm. shirt and she throws scars on because she's like well like I feel like that would be scarier right because like that's always the thing right like you watch these like you know movies and the ghost is always this like Victorian woman in this like high collared you know kind of full length black dress which is kind of like how Muriel is and like here's this ghost you know with the with the with the fucking jean shorts and whatnot and like I love that because you know it was like 
why are ghosts always from the 1800s? <laughs> like, has no one died since the year 2000? Like, it's 2021. My house could be haunted by someone who died in the year 2000. They should be 21 right now, right? Like, they, you know, they should be shotgunning PBRs and making bad choices, right? Like, wear <laughs> compression stockings. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Right, yes. And so, and I loved, I loved in this movie how Jack just was like, you know, he realizes there's a ghost, and he his first thought isn't, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here, but he's just like, well, wait a minute, why? Like he's asking questions, and then I yeah. love like the whole thing with him and Muriel about whether she's a spectral agent or a ghost. Yes. Like I love that, and I feel like. Her performance, and this isn't like a, you know, I feel like his performance was stronger almost because so much of it was him by himself. And she had a bit of a harder lift because she's supposed to be, one, she's a ghost, and two, we're not sure like how old she is, but she's clearly been around for a while. And so she's trying to present this more like kind of formal appearance. Um and 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 like almost old timey, and he's kind of more modern, and so he could play a little bit more with it. You obviously have a little bit more like improv and that type of thing, and she had to be more a little more rigid. So you know, sure. Well, she's on the clock too. So you yeah, know, she's work- yeah, so exactly. But it's kind I of mean, like a little bit of it. Yeah, th- this whole idea of her like, well, I got to get him out of here because this is my house, but yet. It's not really my house. I'm just here because this is where they assigned me to. And mm. he but but also that's him. He's only at that yeah. house because that's yep. where the job was. He doesn't right. really have anyone, which is, you know, to your point where he's calling to find out like, "Hey, can I stay on your couch? Can I crash your house?" Like he doesn't really have anyone, and then he finds someone and they mm-hmm. just happen to be dead. Right. And I mean, I I loved this movie. I loved this movie. I I mean it was I mean it was cute, it was it was funny, it was, you know, it was never scary, but it's not supposed to be. Right. Right. And there's and I don't want to spoil anything, but there's stuff at the very end that oh, yeah. I just was like, "Oh my god, this is so." Like uh, I loved it. Like I mean, for like what you would consider like quote unquote micro budget, which it totally is. I mean, we've watched some micro budget stuff where it's like, I feel like what this movie was is it understood the limitations of their budget and it told a story that could fit within those limitations and not feel constrained by those limitations, but almost feel. Um, I don't know if liberated is the right word, but they they could they could tell the story they wanted to tell, even within those limitations. Yeah, um, it's it. It's it's like I said, even with the world building and things, some of it's it's not it's not non ambitious, but no, knows, not at all. Knows, you know, it knows they knew how to tell that story with what they had to tell it with, and they yeah. did it very fucking well. Yeah, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, I, I thought it was great. Um, and for me to be choked up at the end of a micro-budget horror movie, I want something. Like, I mean, that's it right there. That's it. Yeah. I told my wife, I was like, God damn it. 
this fucking movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so three, well, I would say two solids and then kind of a... Mm. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, real quick getting to games. So, <laughs> so my, my daughter had been watching, um, Let's Plays of Resident Evil 8. And she had said to me, are you playing it? And I was like, no, but my, my best friend Mitch is. And she's like, okay, like, let me know how it plays. And so you had been very thoughtfully texting me updates and it's funny because i'd be like did you know about werewolf santa and she's like oh yeah and i was like fuck so the last update you had sent me was fucking bananas yeah it was legit but like it was b-a-n-a-n-a-s like yeah. le- and it's funny i asked her and she's like oh yeah i was like okay yeah all right <laughs> So you're you like when you told me what happened at the end of this game, I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it 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 it. it I I hesitate to say the ending was disappointing. It it wasn't. Uh, I just after spending so many time with certain characters, sure. <laughs> when shit happens and you're just like, what the fuck? And then the game keeps going. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, so now. Like we're playing a different game, and it—I it, didn't text you the end end because it mm-hmm. does circle back around on itself a bit with that. But man, yeah, the this is one of those ones, those Resident Evils that teeters more less towards the the first few, uh, uh, and more towards like the your fives and your sixes where it's like it's more action than horror. Yeah. Whereas you know, seven went straight back to that original. I'm scared shitless. I have four shotgun shells, right. you know, and I'm in deep shit here. I've got one green herb, you know, and uh, while the the game isn't full of monsters, the ones that do show up are ready to fuck my shit up, and right. I'm going to use these four shotgun shells, and who the fuck knows what's in that next door. You know, that is the Resident Evil I kind of love. Uh, this one, it, like, I, like a, you know, I talked about when I first played it, it starts off super action-y, but then it does slow down and become a resident evil for a good portion. Uh, but man, it ends up just ratcheting it all the way back up for the last, probably half of the game or so, or maybe, I don't know, a little less than half, but it's, it's straight up run for your life, you know, shoot, shooting at shit, hoping you find ammo. It's way more action oriented than the written, you know, my kind of resident evil, but I still really liked it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically your, um, you know, it, it presents you with this thing, this house, and there are these five kind of, you know, bosses, mini bosses, so to speak. And you go from point A to point B, taking down the Miranda's children, mm-hmm. uh, big vampire lady, fish man, um, uh, Frankenstein dude, and scary doll lady. Mm-hmm. But uh, Frankenstein dude, his whole Heisenberg's part was, I think, was the last thing I texted you about. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, Oh God, I love that shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand people like my understanding from what I've heard from people is that people hated that part or some people bitched about that part. I was like, fuck it for what? Right. It was so fucking cool, man. This dude's like he controls like machinery and shit. He has like weird telekinesis or something somehow. But like he's basically built himself a fucking Frankenstein's army of 
you know, these fucked up villagers with all these, like, Terminator parts on them and shit like that. And one mm. motherfucker is just a big-ass, like, biplane engine for a chest and hook. <laughs> <laughs> Propeller. And he's fucking, he's the size of, like, Arnold and shit from the 80s. Like, he's this right. massive tank with a fucking propeller head an engine for a chest <laughs> and he just chucks I, I have a hard time even considering what that would look like oh it's fucking terrifying when it's chasing you through a fucking hallway sure <laughs> but uh but yeah and man i gotta say uh again not particularly thrilled with with things that transpired at the end but good lord i'm trying to think if there was a harder final boss in a resident evil game that i can remember because Jesus Christ, like, when you finally fight Lady Miranda, uh, and I wasn't like, you know, I, I've told you a million times how I play these games. Like, sure. I, I'm ready for fucking nuclear winter by the time yeah. I get to the end. I was down to a pistol and just hoping. That <laughs> Harsh language. I was like, I do not want to start this fight over, please. Just fucking die. <laughs> like, I was begging for her to fucking die. Yeah. So when she finally did, I was like, "Oh, thank Christ!" Um, but yeah, it, it's it's fun, and and as soon as it was over, I started to back up another run through, because as it is in every Resident Evil, you know, you get you get certain little perks that make you like you get all your shit from your next start through, like every weapon you had, you start the game with all that, and so mm -hmm. I'm I'm wanting to go back through and and just you know get a couple of more trophies and stuff, and I thought about even streaming it now that I kind of know. Sure. You know, how to get through it, and I wouldn't be just walking around for hours at right, a time. Right, right. There are points of the game where that, that would have been the case for a stream, so. Right. Uh, but you get, you get um, most of the trophies, and there's a few other things that aren't trophies, but they're, they call them challenge points, and so you get a cumulative score when you finish the game, and it allows you to purchase perks for your next playthrough, so That's I could cool. buy, say... Yeah, I could I could say buy infinite ammo for the shotgun and not oh, have to wow. worry about that or you know stuff like that or yeah. or uh, you know just things that that make it a little easier on you it, it, and which I think would be definitely helpful if you were going to go through on the harder difficulties. I'm not. I started casual this time, right? Uh, for my second playthrough, but this one I'm just going to be I think mopping up trophies to get more challenge points, and then if I did decide to go harder, at least I would be making it easier on myself. Right. So, like, if let's say that somebody like myself who you know has never really played a Resident Evil game mm -hmm. we're, were to want to play this one should they play 7 first because you know both it, games share right. the same main character or no because seven's more like that OG Resident Evil horror right. and 8 is more action oriented yeah it it's it doesn't explain a lot of things as far as the plot and the characters and stuff, but they do carry over from seven, but it tells in its own way, it tells its own story enough to where it's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, okay, they, these creepy motherfuckers have his baby. He's going to save his baby. Okay. Now, a couple of things happened in the beginning that you're like, Oh shit. That if you knew who the characters were, I mean, you still say, Oh shit, because somebody gets fucking gunned down in the sure. kitchen. Right. <laughs> but right. knowing who that is and what, another character went through in seven to make this his present reality. You're just like, fuck this guy can't catch a break. Okay. <laughs> so, gotcha. but no, it, it tells its own story with the castle and the werewolves and all that kind of shit. It's, it's, you know, seven, seven tells its story 
this tells its story. They just happen to have some overlapping characters. Gotcha. Okay. And then you also finished, um, oh, what was that werewolf game? <laughs> werewolf Earthblood. Apocalypse. Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood, yeah. I think is the, something like that. Which I had played a couple months ago, and I was like, do not play this. And you were like, fuck yeah, I'm playing it. <laughs> well, I... That's why I said it. Once you hated it, and once I saw the reviews and stuff, I was like, "Oh, that motherfucker's gonna be twenty bucks any yeah. day now." Like I was just rubbing my hands, like, yeah. like give that shit at twenty bucks, and I think I paid fifteen for it from GameFly. Yeah, yeah, and in record time, I finished that. I finished it in less than a week. I think it was six days. Yeah, I didn't play it every day, but uh, yeah, I I loved it in, in the way that I occasionally love a really really bad cheesy yeah. oh, this is this is the cheesy horror film of video games yeah the dialogue is adorably stupid i laughed out loud so many times oh my god it, right yeah it was supposed to be dramatic scenes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was cracking up man it was so fun i i you know i probably need to go have carpal tunnel surgery because all i did was jam on the x and y button absolutely over and over, that's like, all the rest of you do so, and then yeah. you pop your super and then just like yep. mash buttons yeah Yep, that's it. That's that's it. It's it's incredibly fucking stupid. But if you can get it, if you're the type of person who enjoys, you know, a B movie here or there, or you know, you're just looking for something like a palate cleanse after going yeah. through something like Resident Evil. I just wanted something. Yep. That I wasn't going to be fucking stressed out Absolutely. every time I no, turned it on. Hundred <laughs> percent right. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I think it, it definitely was that palate cleanse that I needed. Now I'm I'm going to go back to something else. I actually started. Funnily, I started Transformers. Uh, was it Fall of Cybertron was the first one or War? War maybe. War. War. That's a great yeah. game. Started playing that. Oh and, my god, I love that game. Yeah, well, I, I Jacob had it when it first yeah. came out, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll get it for me." I got it for him for Christmas, and it's I thought I'd pick it up game. later. And I, I played his. I did like one or two levels, and and I I stopped playing it, and I couldn't never remember why, other than I didn't have my own copy, and we don't share. Because yeah. I see how he treats games, and I know how I treat games. Mm-hmm. So, but it's taken me this long, and I was like fucking around on something on YouTube, and I saw a gameplay, and I was like, I forgot about that. I wanted yeah. to play that. So yep. I tracked down both both games and started. And the, the only thing I can think of that made me, other than it being his, not want to keep his goddamn, do you run out of ammo? Yeah. Every seconds. That's the yeah. only thing. But yeah, I'm I'm probably I'm a little over a quarter of the way through that one, so I've started it. Um, one day this week. Yeah. But I'm having a fucking blast with that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great game. Yeah, and I um I finished my second playthrough of Rift Apart, Russian Clank, got all my um Omega weapons to level ten, which there's no trophy there's no trophy for that. I just did it because that's what I do. And then I started um Scarlet Nexus, which has some yeah. really strong, like kinda astral chain vibes, but I haven't really gotten kind of far enough along in it to be able to, you know, kind of say one way or the other whether or not it's um, any good. Um, yeah, I know. There only I've, I've remember the trailers, and I got really excited because I think it looks gorgeous. It is, then, yeah. The you other know, the reviews basically said it lives and dies on its combat system because the story isn't exactly super great. But I don't know. I haven't played it yet. Yeah, I I, I think I probably would would agree with that yeah um 
Okay, so next show uh, will be after all of the Fear Street uh, movies on Netflix have come out. So 1994 came out last week, 1978 came out this past Friday, and then 1666 comes out next week. So our next show will be us kind of going through those three uh, Fear Street movies. So definitely watch them. The 1994, Mm -hmm. that soundtrack is a fucking banger. Yes, sir. Uh, so definitely check that shit out, and then you will be uh, in the same place for us uh, as we get into it. Um, but uh, this has been episode uh, shit. Was it one twenty five? Five. Yes, yep. one twenty five divided by werewolf. So thank you so much for hanging out with us, and uh, we appreciate uh, obviously every time that you choose to spend your time with us, and we look forward to spending some more time with you in the next two weeks. So from myself and Mitch, thank you so much. Good night. And have a good evening.